to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Episode 47, Tiny Toons, How I Spin My Vacation. It's direct-to-video for a reason. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. We're your hosts, Morgan Stradling. And I'm Chelsea Robson. For those of you who are new to our podcast, this is a show where we talk about anything and everything animation. We're animation addicts just like you, and we love to talk about our favorite thing in the world, which is animated movies. So today we're going to be talking about a classic movie that everyone has seen and everyone has on their top ten list. (laughs) Shh, shh, Chelsea. (laughs) Tiny Toons, How I Spent My Vacation. Yay! <laughs> Which I just learned, it's not Tiny Toons, How I Spent My Summer Vacation. It's just Which... t- Tiny Toons, How I Spent My Vacation. So that way they could market it, you know, and sell this in other times other than the summer, I guess. Yeah, I always just assumed it was Summer Vacation. Hey, they could compete for the most syllables in an animated title if they put that in there. But yeah, that could've... goes to Owls of Gahul. <laughs> So, as you can tell, we are a bunch of friends, and we love to talk about animated films. We usually, each episode, we go over the news in the animation industry. We usually have a little mini side discussion known as a nerdy couch discussion. This We can talk about things such as sequels or, you know, favorite Disney princes, Disney horses, things very, very random that friends would talk about on the couch in the middle of the night, just very nerdy stuff. And lastly, as you will soon find out, a review of a riveting animated film. Which, by the way, we really need to do our Disney horses discussion. I at know some point. this is like become <laughs> this is always on the list, and it's become almost like epic in its nature because you know, we keep talking about it, yet we haven't done anything about it. So, for those of you who are new, we also have a YouTube channel. You can check us out on the slash YouTube, and hopefully, we'll get that Disney horses <laughs> video up soon, and then we'll throw that into a nerdy couch discussion later when we have Mason aboard. That's awesome. So first, I want to talk about my experience at the D23 Expo. This is basically Comic-Con for Disney fans. Really fun. It's just everything and anything Disney They put on this big show and this big hoopla for basically their biggest fans. And I was able to go. It was August 9th through the 11th, 2013, in Anaheim, California. Unfortunately for me, it sort of fell in the middle of a a family vacation for me. And I didn't want to go all three days, which I should have. This is something I will tell you when I tell you about my experience. But I ended up just going on Saturday and I had a really good time. Yeah, I've, I'm excited to hear about the Odyssey of Morgan. Okay, so last year we went to Destination D. And so the difference between Destination D and the D23 Expo is they are held every other year. Destination D is a much smaller, intimate event. There's only a few thousand people. You basically have a seat wherever you go. Um, they have a lot of panels. There isn't really a big collector's forum or anything. While, on the other hand, the D23 Expo is all out. It is a whole convention center. Almost every single room in the place is used. Um, There's panels, there's interviews, there's instructional animators who are showing you how they do things. And there's a big toy fair. And there is just a lot going on at D23. It's basically Destination D on steroids and much bigger and better. So last year, I went to Destination D, and so I kind of, in my head, I'd never been to D23 Expo, so I kind of was assuming more or less the same. 
And boy, was I wrong. Because for me, as a D23 Expo virgin, it was very, very overwhelming. Um, I don't think I really did enough research ahead of time. I thought, oh, I'm going to be there one day. You know, we'll just see how it goes. Um, right from the very beginning, we got there about a half hour before it opened, and already there were lines, I'm not even kidding, a mile long outside just waiting to get into this place. And so I was actually pretty shocked and didn't really know what line I was supposed to get into. I went with my husband, and we got into a line, and then we realized, oh, crap, that's not the line we need to get into. So we waited a half hour in a line that ended up being pointless, and we had to switch and move. And it was very stressful for someone who really didn't know what to expect and had never been before. One thing I'll say is D23 Expo is three days for a reason. I mean, you need all three days to really absorb and digest and to have a good time because for me, there were certain panels that I wanted to go to and they were on Saturday only. So I'm like, well, I have to go to these because they're one, they're animation related and two, they're only available today. So, you know, I would go and I'd wait in lines for these panels that were, you know, only that day and I'd miss out on a lot of other things. There were some um, exhibits and presentations that were all three days. And so it wasn't as big of a priority to, for most people who went three days, you know, they could go whenever there was a lull. But I I really was overwhelmed the whole experience. I first went and we waited in a kind of an hour line to see the Disney live action panel, which was awesome. That was one thing I definitely wanted to see because I wanted to see Saving Mr. Banks, Cinderella, Maleficent. I wanted to see all those previews, you know, to bring it back to the site. But as a result, I sort of missed out because I was waiting in line, I couldn't really do anything else. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I'd heard that before, like in previous expos, that waiting in lines was really a big problem. And supposedly this year was a little better. But for me, I just felt, honestly felt like I was waiting in line the whole time and was very rushed. You know, when there was downtime between panels, I was, I went to the show floor and I tried to, you know, rush, rush, rush and look at everything and get a, get a, a bird's eye view. But I really didn't get to explore each individual section of the show floor as thoroughly as I would have if I were there all three days. So that was, you know, like takeaway number one is if you're going to go to this, go all three days because I really sort of felt gypped and this was my own, you know, doing, but I sort of felt that I really missed out and, and didn't have the total experience that I could have as much fun um, just for the nature of that. So that being said, live and learn. So to anyone who's going in the future, just know Go all three days. Like, you'll you'll really, really appreciate it. And, I mean, definitely get there really early. Get there an hour or two early to start getting in lines. And spend the week before really familiarizing yourself with the schedules, with the expo book, where everything's going to be laid out. I mean, have a game plan because we didn't really go in a game plan. We just sort of like, ah, we got to do this and yeah. So that's that's my little experience. But I will talk about what I did experience while I was there. Does that sound good? <laughs> Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, stress, stress and running around, and wouldn't that be horrible if I'm like, yeah, I didn't make it to anything, which oh, there man. were things um, that sold, you know, there was a good dinosaur panel at the same time as the Disney live action, and so that was kind of frustrating Aww. because you were forced to choose, and I thought, uh, do I really want to spend, like, my whole time, you know, at one thing when I can, I don't know, it was, it was a hard decision, but I ultimately think that the Disney live action panel was worth it so speaking of disney live action so the main things that i guess you know of course there was thor 2 there was um the guardians of the I'm galaxy i'm so excited for that movie oh yes and oh, you know it goodness. was really cool because like we didn't even make it into the real you know auditorium we were in the overflow so we were still in a 
very, very large room. But we, what we were watching was just projected onto the screens. Um, kind of disappointing because, you know, Natalie Portman made an appearance. And, you know, lots of really, really big stars. Um, Angelina Jolie. There was just a lot of people that would have been cool to have seen in person instead of to have seen on a screen, which we see them on a screen all the time. But, yeah, so that was really cool because they, they spent a lot of time making this feel like a cool experience. You got insider views of different movies. So I'm going to talk about the ones that relate most to animation. I guess I'll do a full report of everything that I saw, but regarding to relating to animation. So first I'll talk about Maleficent. So this is the 2014 movie based on Maleficent. It's sort of like Wicked, how the Wicked Witch became Wicked, but this is sort of the backstory of Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty. We get to see her perspective. And so Angelina Jolie was there. And out of all the celebrities that were there, she was the most personable and I felt like we really made a connection with her because the others, they would just like stand and wave and say like, yeah, I was so excited to be a part of this project. And like, that was it. It was fluff. It wasn't anything. But she talked about how personal this role was to her and how much it meant to her to play this because she always loved this character. She would tell stories about experiences on set and experiences with her daughter who, who played young Aurora and, and just different things like that. And so I really enjoyed that. This movie looks superb i really really can't wait to yeah i didn't realize her daughter was playing aurora yeah so disney's sort of on this kick right now of taking some of its 2d animated films that are classics and making 3d revivals of those alice in wonderland is an example now maleficent's kind of taking a spin on classic sleeping beauty and they're also doing a live action cinderella and it was really neat to see um, concept art from that film and to get a feel i mean this one wasn't as developed as i guess um Maleficent was because Maleficent's coming out next year and this Cinderella movie is coming out a little later. But so I, not, I don't really have any like details or specifics about that other than I'm, I'm kind of excited to see where they take this. Um, and then lastly, Saving Mr. Banks. So Saving Mr. Banks is basically the story of Walt Disney. It's kind of the first biopic that we've seen of him done by the Walt Disney Company. It's, they've never really done that before since he died. So it's him, and they, they're focusing on a particular part in his life when he was trying to get the rights for the um, P.L. Travers novel, Mary Poppins, because he made a promise to his children that he would make a movie of it. And he told himself he would never break a promise to his daughters. And so he pursued her for 20-plus years trying to get the rights. And so this is sort of at the tail end of getting the rights of that film and so we were able to see a lot of clips. It was really cool because the two guys, um, BJ Novick and Jason Schwartzman, who play the Sherman brothers, um, they were able to go on stage and sort of talk about it. And and uh, BJ Novick seemed completely like a fish out of water. Like he didn't really know what to take this Disney craziness. You could tell he just did the role. At least this is my feeling of it. He sort of did the role because it was a role. While Jason, on the other hand, I mean, this was something that he, you can tell he's a Disney fan. He grew up with the Disney canon and singing those songs. And he really, really invested himself in this role. He talks about how he went to Richard's house and Richard has a very distinct piano style. And so he, Richard would give him like these master classes and these private lessons. So that way Jason could learn his style. And, Jay, and uh, Jason's a fabulous pianist. He ended up playing a song on, on stage and let's go fly a kite. Um, and which uh, Richard Sherman, since he was giving a concert later that day, he was able to come on, on stage as well. But, you know, just the difference in those two guys. I think they're both going to be fabulous in their roles. We got to see a few clips from the movie, which were so fun. Um, I, I love Emma Thompson. She's 
She's great in this role from what I've seen. And, you know, Mary Poppins is one of my all-time favorite Disney movies, so I'm excited to see this sort of expanded and to see it in December. Yeah, I've been really looking forward to this as well. Yeah, it's it's going to be a huge hit. So then um, we didn't really have any other panels to go to, so then we started to, at this point, after this live action, it was two hours, the live action presentation was over. We then started to explore the show floor and had lunch. Um, so there was sort of the the main show floor that was put on by Disney, and they were the main vendors there. There was Disney Consumer Products, um, so they were talking about maybe the Frozen dolls and the merchandise. And while I was there, I sat in on a Frozen panel, and Disney Consumer Products was talking about the three different, so I guess, marketing schemes uh, or design when they market, market a product. Um, one is a bit more gender neutral, while another one has a lot of snowflakes and flowers and very girly. So that way, when they're doing products, they use one of these three types. That was really interesting to me because I love the back end of all like the marketing and, and what works and why they're doing it and whatnot. So that was pretty cool. Um, there was a Sephora booth and they were giving, um, apparently they have a new aerial line of cosmetics. And so they were giving free manicures and makeovers so you could test out the products. You know, there was some animators who were selling books you know, on behalf of Disney, and they were giving little drawing. You know, you could look over their shoulder as they were drawing Mickey Mouse, and, and you could talk to them and ask them questions. Then there all sorts of things. The big Disney Infinity booth, Disney Animated, which is their new um, app for the iPad. Then there was a huge stage, basically, which was dedicated for the Disney Channel. Um, I didn't really hover over there too much because I haven't honestly watched the Disney Channel in about 10 years. But... Um, the line for Teen Beach Movie, when those, that cast and crew came, it was longer than the Richard Sherman line, which was kind of, you wouldn't think, but there were people and grown men and women cheering for oh, wow. Teen Beach Movie. So-, <laughs> um, so we tried to avoid that. There was, oh, um, man. oh, oh, so let me talk about Tomorrowland. So Brad Bird was able to come on stage and um, talk about Tomorrowland, which is the new movie that he's doing it's formerly known as 1953 they basically just barely started filming you know the week of d23 expo so there wasn't any footage at all to show <laughs> which is okay i'm really grateful that they were able to even to stop by the basis of this is there's um you know in the archives underneath the walt disney studios they are box just you know and, and brad bird was was joking around he's like yeah everyone else has celebrities and we have the box. This box has all these mystery elements in it. You know, a picture of Walt Disney where his face has been photoshopped onto someone else's body with, you know, and the picture shows him and Amelia Earhart. And so it's it's just all these things like don't make sense. And Photoshop meaning like the 1940s version of Photoshop. <laughs> um, and there's, you know, a picture of it's the blueprint for It's a Small World. But if you put it under sort of a blue light, um, you know, the light that you use when you go scorpion hunting, as we refer to in Arizona. <laughs> a black light, that's what it's called. If you put it under a black light, then you there's this other version of the plans underneath that you know sh- show some sort of corridor underneath it. So basically what they're going to do is they're going to piece together this mystery and turn it into a movie, and that's what Tomorrowland is. And so, so one thing that was on the show floor, the reason I mentioned this, is because there was a big Tomorrowland booth. Um, and display and it was really really big and all the contents that were inside this box were up for display now i didn't get to go because and no one really took pictures of it because they were very very specific about what like they would take your phones and they wouldn't let you 
take pictures while you were looking at the exhibit. But you know, we didn't get to go because we had to hurry and rush to go wait in line for another panel. And we it was 45-minute wait. You know, like, so this is very stressful to me as I'm like, there's all these things that I want to do. No, no time to do them. And it was, like, sad for me because I'm like, uh, I'm not even getting uh, to show everyone, like, you know, like, oh, we have a person there. Like, don't you worry. We're going to, like, have you covered. And, you know, you can just – but that wasn't the case at all. I mean, you really had to be there all three days. So, um, yeah, so after that we went to – this was the most disappointing thing. So we got – they had sort of, like, their version of a fast pass. It was called Stage Pass. And so that kind of gave you front of line entry to specific panels. So that was cool. So you could use two fat, two stage passes a day. Well, we wanted one for the good dinosaur, but those were already gone. And there was another panel at the same time. And so we were able to get one for this. And it was like Disney animation and just kind of like the legacy of the studio. I'm like, awesome. This is going to be perfect. I go. We wait in line. Um, we get there. You still had to wait probably 30 minutes just so you could be in the front of the line. It was kind of silly to me. Um, if I would have done it again, I would have got the, the stage pass and then got there at the very tail end of the stage pass. But we didn't know when they were going to start collecting those. So we kind of got there earlier to to find out. And I don't know. This wasn't what I expected at all because basically it was just a huge plug for the Disney animated app, which I'd seen enough of um, at this point. Like we'd done stories on it. It'd been released. Um, they had a kind of a demo play area on the on the show floor and I was kind of thinking that these were going to be animators sh- telling stories about working in the D- Disney animation studios and what got them to the point they are today and really they were just sort sort of focusing on oh you know good question and here's the app can do this and if you look at this you can do this in the app and it was just basically a giant pitch for the Disney animated app which I know that's what the whole D23 Expo is it's a, just a giant self-promotion fest for Disney. (laughs) But I don't know. I feel like I was misled on what that panel actually was. I don't remember reading Disney animated app panel. You know what I mean? So that was like, like Jared and I looked at each other. We're like, oh, well, that's it. Like we could go. But they did give us a cool little, um, uh, little gift when we went. And so I might use that as a future giveaway. It's basically they take every frame of a movie, all 52 of their movies, and they compress it into just one little teeny block. And it shows you sort of the color profile of the movie and like what scenes, you know, are, you know, for example, in Aladdin, there's particular scenes where it's very red. And that's like Cape of Wonders is on fire craziness. And then it goes to the Oasis and then blue and so um, you get to see that, and you get to see how different the color profiles are for each of their movies, and that was a little gift they gave to us. So we'll use that in a future giveaway. And then lastly, I mean, after that, basically, we just had to run and get in line um, for the Richard Sherman concert, and because that was the thing to go to. It was Richard Sherman and Alan Menken. They were both going to do a concert. Um, they were going to be given about an hour each to go through their songbook, and, you know, the Disney songbook and the songs that they had written and produced for Disney and just give us a show, you know, so that was important for us to go. We got there and still, still even two hours waiting in line. We didn't even make it into the main showroom. We were still in the overflow. Oh, <sighs> very disappointing. I mean, and the thing is, if I would have known I would be in the overflow, basically the overflow, at least for that concert, there were plenty of seats. So you could have got there 10 minutes before. And had a pretty decent seat, nonetheless. 
So, you know, all these things were sort of adding up that made me sort of like, grr, dang it. But the concert was fabulous. It started with Richard Sherman. And, you know, I really think that his brother was the singer of the bunch because, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I just have a feeling. But who cares? Like, he wasn't completely on pitch and... You know, he's old, so his you know vocal cords probably aren't what they used to be. He was clearly the composer and the pianist. And so he just, he didn't have any music, no no sheets, and he just played. And it was really cool to compare and contrast his songs versus Mencken's songs, because Mencken's are, you know, they're a completely different caliber. I'm not saying they're better, but they're from a different, different era, different time. They're more Broadway. While Richard's songs are just very quirky and fun and like, you know, the ugly bug ball from Summer Magic and It's a Small World and things like that that just make you laugh. You know, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Those are yeah, things that they get totally in your head, though. I mean, there's just it's it's like in the interview that he said, he's just like, I just, you know, like doing things that get in your head. Yeah. So that was awesome. And so he went on stage and played for about an hour and was followed immediately by Alan Menken, who he, um, he didn't have sheet music, but he brought a stack probably about, I don't know, five inches tall of music. And it wasn't, it was just the lyrics. I think he has everything memorized by heart, but he needed just a little help on the lyrics to make sure and to know where he was going to go. And he's like, all right, well, you know, because Richard's portion went a little bit long and he's like, well, I have a lot to get through, so let's get started. And basically, you know, went running with all of his songs, started very early with starting The Little Mermaid. And, you know, he didn't really cut anything out. There were a few songs, obviously, he didn't get to do in each of the movies, but he did probably about three from each movie, like the big numbers, which was fantastic. Um, I loved, loved that. And, you know, he went on and the and all in all, it was supposed to be a two-hour event. It went probably two and a half hours And it culminated with this, you know, encore of both of them. And they were singing It's a Small World, um, which was really cool to see both of them. And that was the thing to go to. And I'm glad I did get to see that. And even Jared had a great time, you know, because he doesn't love Disney songs. But, yeah, and then we left the expo and and, uh, we're on our way. So that's sort of my experience. It's kind of like a Debbie Downer. And actually, like, it's a learning experience for anyone who's going to go in the future. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of newbies who had the same experience as me. They just didn't know what to expect. Um, yeah, so in the future, we'll do better to help prepare everybody and ourselves. So that way we can provide even more. But that is my very long-winded response to how was D23? <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> okay, so on Friday, this was a day that I wasn't there because that was the last day of my internship. So I couldn't really leave because they were throwing a big intern party, and that would have looked really bad if I wasn't there. Um, So this Friday, that was the day to go if you were an animation fan, because that was the Disney and Pixar animation presentation. So basically what the live action was for animation. And the internet blew up when all of this happened. (laughs) Yeah, it did. So let's talk about Pixar first. First, we know that there is going to be a short, a Monsters University short called Party Central. It's going to play in front of the good dinosaur. And it's just kind of going to give us another insight into this Monsters University world. Um, so not really too much to say about that. I mean, it's, it's just another short. They typic, tip, Pixar typically does this where they'll have a short about the movie and they'll usually release it with the Blu-ray as a special feature. Like with Brave, they had The Legend of Mordu. Um, this one won't be released on the Monsters University 
DVD and Blu-ray. It'll actually be released with The Good Dinosaur, but still fun. Then next, they talked about The Good Dinosaur. And this was the thing that kind of everyone's been waiting for. It's their new, their next movie to come out next year. Right, Chelsea? Yes, it is. The Good Dinosaur, it's basically what if the asteroid that, you know, in this, in the theory that there was an asteroid that came and destroyed the planet and wiped out all the dinosaurs, what if it missed? And then how is, what would have happened had these dinosaurs continued on and um, then become friends with these humans? But at the same time, it's, there's the main dinosaur, he ends up meeting a a little boy that he thinks is a, a bug, actually, and they call him Spot. So it's kind of like the opposite. What if these dinosaurs were the talking and thinking and, you know, they're the ones in charge. And then this little boy caveman kid is now the pet. Yeah. Um, was this what you were expecting? Because to me, I for some reason thought when I heard the premise, like, what if the asteroid never hit the Earth? I thought it was like, oh, what if dinosaurs were around today because they didn't go extinct? You know, so there was going to be, you know, a modern day society with cities and towns and buildings and cars. And this is more prehistoric. It's more like the Croods, if anything. Yeah, it kind of seemed like that. Um, one thing that, I mean, this has nothing to do with the actual movie itself, but like what always goes through my head now is this the Pixar theory. Yeah. <laughs> Or, and all I could think is, like, how is this kid going to, like, put it all together with this? <laughs> yeah. So the cast was revealed for this movie. The main dinosaur, name, his name will be Arlo. He's an apotosaurus. He'll be voiced by Lucas Neff. Um, and then this dinosaur's family, Papa, will be played by John Lithgow. Mama will be played by Francis McDormand. And then his older sibling will be Forrest, and that will be by Bill Hader. And he has two other middle siblings, known as Ivy and Cliff, and they will be done the voice. They will be voiced by Judy Greer and Neil Patrick Harris. So, it, this is different than the Crudes in the fact that we're focusing on the dinosaur family rather than the caveman family. And I like that. I think that's cool and exciting. Um, I'm excited to see where this goes. There is a bit of drama recently um, at the D23 Expo. The director Bob Peterson wasn't there. Co-director Peter Son was there, and um, you know, people were starting to speculate, like, hey, why isn't the director there? Why is the co-director? What's going on? And, you know, it didn't really happen. I mean, nothing really came of it until about three weeks later when we found out that Bob Peterson had been removed from the project, uh, which is pretty sad. And, and it's kind of become sort of the norm. Well, I mean, apparently this happens all the time in animated films, but I mean, it's been brought to our attention a bit more recently than in past. But um, so in the meantime, there'll be sort of a Pixar brain trust of um, you know, John Lasseter and Andrew Stanton, they'll kind of help the movie progress until they can find a new director. Uh, Bob Peterson, luckily, he's still working on another directorial feature for the studio, so it's not like he's leaving on bad terms with Pixar. He's just, you know, for the movie's sake and for the story, they had to uh, let him go. So, yeah, that's that. Yeah, what's funny is that when the day that they posted it online uh, was actually later on, was the day that we found out that John Carr's left Disney as well. Mm -hmm. Well, it was just really funny because he ended up posting on his Twitter saying, like, thanks to all the love and support to all my friends. And what's up with John Carr stealing my thunder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had a really, really good attitude about it. Thank goodness. Well, and another thing that I heard, speaking of like people leaving the industry or, or retiring or moving studios is Clay Cadis. 
he was a long 19 years at Disney Animation Studios. He is he runs the Animation Podcast, which is a podcast that he used to do and interview, you know, Disney greats. He's kind of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast. He left Disney and he's kind of doing an undisclosed new project at an undisclosed studio, which is kind of funny, but um and then we just recently found out that Miyazaki, you know, from Ghibli Studios, the co-founder, that he is retiring for the fourth time. <laughs> but his newest film, The Wind Rises, is going to be his last movie. But there's just a lot of, like, mixing up going on in the animation world right now. Uh, at least, I mean, it's a lot. I'm sure this happens all the time, and it's not as high profile, but this is just a lot happened <laughs> this past month or so. Yes, I think it's just the fact that they're leaving so soon in between each other from very high positions in their studios is probably why yeah. it's kind of... I mean, Glenn Keane, he's no longer at Disney as well. And I also saw that Andreas Deja is not there either. So, I mean, all these huge, you know, greats that have been there for a long time are just like, what's this? What's this? <laughs> <laughs> so the next movie they talked about was Inside Out. This is the movie that was for a long time called the Pixar, the untitled Pixar movie that takes you inside the mind. Um, obviously, it has a name now. And so we finally got to see kind of the premise. It's going to follow... Um, a little girl named Riley. She's 11 years old, and she moves from Minnesota to San Francisco. And this obviously, when you're that young and you're moving, that creates some turmoil in your life um, for some people. And so, you know, it's a very emotional time. And as a result, we'll get to see this simultaneous story of her emotions. And we got the voice cast, and Louis Black will be voicing Anger, Mindy Kaling will be voicing Disgust. Amy Fuller will voice Joy. Bill Hader, again, since uh, he's also doing a voice in The Good Dinosaur, he's going to be doing Fear. And Phyllis Smith will play Sadness. Um, and then we kind of, it says they will all fight, collaborate, spar, and argue to try and keep Riley functioning. So it's interesting. Like, ultimately, you would think these emotions are trying to keep her functioning, but with emotions like fear and disgust and things like that, I mean... I can imagine these guys are, like, always fighting. <laughs> right. You know, like, <laughs> I always want to be the dominant emotion in your life. Like, depression. I want no happiness. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess depression is a bit much for a Pixar film. Sadness is, is a, a better, a better right. way to go about it. But it'll be cool to see how these interact and how there's going to be, you know, one movie, figuring out a storyline is hard enough, but with two Two storylines that have to interweave is going to be, uh, you know, oh, so Inception. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so the next movie is Finding Dory. We've known about this for a while. It, uh, it comes out November 25th, 2015. This is will be the first year that um, Pixar is going to have two animated movies coming out in the same year. Inside Out comes out June 19th, 2015. And this comes out not even six months later. Um Obviously, this will follow Dory as she learns to, as we get to see her family origins, and I guess what happened with Dory, we get to see um, Diane Keaton as Jenny, who plays Dory's mom, Eugene Levy, who plays Dory's dad, named Charlie, and I think this is a hilarious duo for parents. It's just, I mean, the, yeah. guy, the guy from American Pie and Diane Keaton, who's like the mom for everything. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, then Ty Burrell from Modern Family will play Bailey, the, a beluga whale. So obviously not related to Dory, but maybe like I wouldn't be surprised if this beluga whale is adopted, <laughs> knowing yeah. how crazy Dory is. <laughs> well, and it's probably, I mean, my opinion or my theory is that this is probably going to show how she speaks whale. 
Ah, good point. Yeah, I was like, this has got to be it. (laughs) So nothing real new other than a cast for Finding Dory. And I guess the last bit about Pixar is they have um, a TV special. It's going to be a 30-minute TV special playing on ABC on October 16, 2013. It's called Toy Story of Terror. And uh, it's just going to be all spooky and fun, you know. Basically, it's it's all these toys telling their terrifying tales of abandonment and it's just like that is the scariest part for these toys it's like oh <laughs> yeah so um that'll be cool are you gonna you think you would watch that if i had tv yes good all right well i will uh, <laughs> i'll dvr it and uh, then i can skype it over to you <laughs> so which one are you most excited about of these pixar projects from what I've heard, I think Inside Out is probably the thing that I'm most excited about. Mm-hmm. And then Finding Dory and then The Good Dinosaur. Ah. So I didn't, I mean, The Good Dinosaur looks pretty cool. I mean, it should be. But I, from the premise and what I've heard and people's responses from D23 Expo, I think that this one is going to be a little bit more my style. But I think, I think they're all going to be cool. Yeah. I'm definitely inside out number one. I mean, that's just so such a unique concept and something that we haven't really explored before. It's very Pixar just thinking about it. There uh, was a TV show in the 80s that had this type of <laughs> feeling. Really? <laughs> yeah, nice. there was. And my brother Andy, he was just like, dude, you, they stole their concept. <laughs> no, they're doing funny. it better. <laughs> Um, I was excited for The Good Dinosaur, but um, seeing kind of the preview, I guess it wasn't really what I had expected. But, you know, all those expectations are now thrown out the door, and I'm cool with where it's at now. I just hope, you know, this rocky road that it's on right now gets fixed, that it doesn't get pushed back anytime soon, and then we it's a good movie. Like, it will be a very Pixar movie that, you know, I hate all this bashing on Pixar, people saying, like, oh, their movies are crap now, they're not the same, they decline in quality like come on guys you know i I would really love to see them just hit a home run with this and and then followed by the inside out so yeah um it's funny we have a poll on the website we'll link this in the show notes so you can see this recap of everything pixar we learned at d23 expo um right now there's 164 votes that says which pixar project are you most excited and there's only one little teeny vote for the uh mu short film party central (laughs) (laughs) yay yeah so people aren't too pumped for that obviously inside out has 52 percent of the votes right now that's the one that like is 2015 here yet Uh, not quite not quite (laughs) so we're not done yet guys there is still another studio that disney owns known as walt disney animation studios so technically they have two more (laughs) well yeah We'll cover those maybe on the next podcast. Yeah, maybe we'll just briefly mention them at the end. <laughs> okay, so um, obviously Walt Disney Animation Studios, this is the kind of their flagship brand, you would think. But Pixar really has like this cult following. And I think they're sort of on par with each other now. Obviously, the first thing they talked about was Frozen. Yay! Yeah, totally. Um I, I'm not quite sure if there were many clips shown. Obviously, there probably were. But the, probably, like, the biggest thing that happened out of this was, you know, last year they had this girl who sang Let It Go. Great song. This great ballad. And it was just like, oh, okay, well, it's a cool song. And and then, you know, they definitely outdid themselves this year by, again, 
having a Let It Go encore, but this time with the main gal herself, Adina Menzel. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, incredible. There's a video online. We'll have this in the show notes um, under the Disney recap, but of her singing part of it. And it's, it's incredible. I mean, I'm, you know, this is the original Elphaba from Wicked. And, (laughs) you know, she's singing in a Disney movie. Awesome. But it's just a short clip. It's not the whole song, but it's enough to make you say yes. Yeah, for sure. And then also for the YouTube, just so you guys know, we're, we're trying to get together and do, um, well, I guess between the YouTube and the website, we're trying to get together a frozen Friday post. So one of the posts, actually, I did myself singing the extended version of that clip or what is now online from Adina Menzel because somebody wanted me to do it. And then also my little niece wanted to sing along with me. And so that is like probably the cutest thing I've ever seen. So <laughs> you should check that out too. <laughs> Cute. So opening with Frozen is the short Get a Horse. So this is sort of interesting. This is like a combination of old footage um, where this is from, you know, the early 1930s where Walt Disney was still doing the voice of Mickey Mouse. So it's an old timey black and white short, you know, directed by Walt Disney, kind of. And then they're going to tie it together with like new footage, um, converting these characters to more like two, three dimensional characters. So, yeah, that's going to be pretty cool to see when it comes to theaters. Wait, so does it go, does it switch from the older to the newer throughout the, in I th- the... I think so, but we might have to do our fact-checking on this and yeah. before, but but because I saw Eric Goldberg, the animator, do a panel on this when I was kind of walking the show floor, and he was talking about the challenges of converting these 2D old-timey characters to 3D, and I'm assuming he was talking about this. But he may, because it was in black and white, like all the characters he was showing us. And he's like the main guy on this, you know, who helped do this. But right, yeah, so we'll, maybe we'll record this section again. <laughs> Double check. <laughs> so the next is Big Hero 6. This is actually the one that people are most excited about. This is sort of a, a little known Marvel property. It's sort of a mashup of Tokyo and San Francisco, like in the future. Like what would those two cities be? be like if they had a baby, right? San Francisco! (laughs) Exactly. And so this movie talks about this new sort of, um, you know, superheroes that we'll discover. There wasn't really much footage that we were able to see, obviously, because I wasn't there. There hasn't really been too much I've seen about it. There was just exclusive footage shown. Um, Really exciting. That comes out November 7th, 2014. And then lastly, um, I mean, we know that they have other, Disney has other projects in the pipeline, such as Moana, Giants, um, some untitled films, but they didn't go into detail. The last one they talked about was Zootopia, which we know is coming out sometime in 2016. This is Brian Howard's. um, He's directing it. He's one of the directors on Tangled. And it's basically about, this is an an all-animal world, and it's about a fox and a bunny. And they're sort of this, like, crime-fighting team. Like, one's a police officer and, and, you know, like the bunny's a police officer and the the fox is sort of a detective. You know, the picture on the article that we posted, the the concept art that they showed. I mean, this fox character, he's voiced by Jason Bateman um, from Arrested Development fame. And he just like looks so cool. Like he has his jacket over his shoulder and he's just looking at all these bunny characters like, yeah, what, what? I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so 
it'll be fun. It's an anthropomorphic type film. We haven't really had a lot of those in recent history. Um, I'm getting very much a Robin Hood vibe, but more of a modern day version of that. Um, I'm liking it, but I don't really have much to go off of. Yeah, but it is also like four years away. Yeah, totally. (laughs) No, (laughs) 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 lastly, we also heard about some projects that Disney Toon Studios are doing. Uh, We won't go too much into those, but there's two new there's two new Tinkerbell films, one called Legend of the Never Beast. Ooh, scary. And another one, which is kind of a a Captain Hook-based origin story. That's the one I'm really excited to see. The Never Beast one, I mean, it seems sort of Halloween-y, scary. Like, what is this mysterious beast that they'll probably realize is something really furry and nice. They just need to treat it well. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, he just needed friendship. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But we, you know, this is... The other movie, um, I got to look up. I mean, you kind of talked about it, right? Yeah, I talked about it a little bit on the YouTube. Uh, basically, as Tom Hiddleston, who played Loki in the Thor movies. I love those movies. Anyway, <laughs> um, Tom Hiddleston plays it. And, you know, he's got this suave, very classic style of like theater voice talent type feel. So he's going to be playing this character called James who ends up being a friend with one of the fairies. And then at first he's this, he's very suave and debonair and the perfect friend. But then later on, like we realize and see inside of him that he's basically just been putting on this facade and it turns out to be Mr. Captain James Hook. So this is the very first time that they're actually going into more of the mythos of Peter Pan itself. So I'm excited for this one. And it's actually directed by the same person who directed Secret of the Wings, which we both loved. So awesome. I don't know. I know people are like, uh, Tinkerbell grown, but I, these movies are actually pretty enjoyable. I like this franchise. So turning the tables on a franchise that I don't really love so much. I mean, we kind of knew about this, but they kind of gave us a sneak peek at the new Planes Fire and Rescue, also known as Planes 2. Um, yeah, it's coming to theaters next summer on July 18th, 2014, which doesn't really make sense to me because this first Planes probably didn't do as well as they expected, or maybe it did. I don't know, but it's good enough that they're putting it into theaters again. Um, you know, yeah, Planes. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so other than that, that is basically everything. Not everything. Don't quote us on everything because I know there's stuff we forgot, but that's the gist of the animation that happened at the D23 Expo. Probably one of the longest news segments we've ever had, (laughs) if you include my little bit about it. (laughs) Awesome. So Disney animation, Chelsea, what are you most excited for in Disney's future of these three? Of these three? um, Well, and and get a horse. (laughs) Well, Actually, out of all of these, the one that I'm like most excited about is the one that they didn't talk about at all, which through our sources, we've been able to kind of put these, you know, dates that they've, you know, secured in the theaters and what and the different projects they've been working on. The first one is Giants. And then the next one is called Moana, which is actually going to be the next Ron and John film. Mm-hmm. And so I do a video kind of about all of these and you should really check it out. But I mean, we also got a new almost news story i guess you could say almost confirmation that this one is going to be a musical as well so i think that one would probably be the next disney princess possibility out there um we don't know for sure obviously but that is just my theory that 
I like if, it. If there is going to be another princess movie in the next five years, it's going to be that one. That's my theory. Cool. Polynesian princess. Love it. Wait, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, did I zone out? She was talking about giants this whole time. <laughs> no. So that is our news. Obviously, there was lots of it. You can find more news at the rotoscopers.com. We are your source for all things Disney and Pixar and all, all the other studios. The other studios don't quite have their game together and they don't do like Sony Pictures Expo or, <laughs> you know, we get it. They're smaller. Well, I think if anyone would, DreamWorks would be the next one to do it. Yeah. Kassenberg's like, I'm on it. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> Give me five more years. So um, for all things animation news, be sure to check out the website, therotoscopers.com. And that's basically everything and not everything. D23 Expo. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, you, it's like everything that we could do, but it's not everything. <laughs> oh, awesome. man. Oh, man. Almost went loony from counting days till Juni. Now this afternoon, summertime is here. A three-month vacation for kids across the nation. Whatever your location, it's the best time of the year. Visit at the acres for a cool time in the sun. Be the heat, it's our treat. Laps for everyone. We're tiny, we're toony, we're all a little loony. Welcome back from summer vacation, everyone. Um, I love this movie. I think this is one of those movies that I, like I said, I make everybody else like suffer through some of these, my favorite, like nostalgia, hidden (laughs) gems movies. Yes, it's like. We listen to you, fans. We're we're doing polls on the website. We're we're listening. We're letting you send us emails about what movies you want to hear. Except, <laughs> unless it's Chelsea's pick. By that case, it's nothing you want to hear. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm sure there's got to be at least two people out there. <laughs> no, actually. So we have a new writer on the site, and his name is Eric. And Eric is not really doing news. He's just sort of doing um, opinion pieces. And he has different series that he's going to be doing. And the first series is called Forgotten Gems in Animation. And so basically this is, you know, animated films or TV shows that are long forgotten but are actually pretty good. And he was giving me the list the other day of, like, different things he wanted to do. And some movies I'd never heard of. But then he was like, I'd also like to do Animaniacs, Bonkers, and Tiny Toons. I'm like, Tiny Toons? Well, (laughs) you're in for a surprise. You're probably the one person who will want to listen to this podcast. (laughs) Oh, but see, I, I think this is probably the way that we know that we're, we really don't take ourselves too seriously. I mean, yeah. I mean, the fact that we did, you know, like we said, the, our second or third, no, our third episode was my pick. And so it was, um, Rockadoodle. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And then now this one, just cause I was like, Hey, we're just coming back from summer vacation. It's relevant. Let's do it. Yes. My turn. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, our movie is Tiny Toons, How I Spent My Vacation. Not Summer Vacation, which I guess I, like we talked about, I thought about the whole time. I thought it was How I Spent My Summer Vacation, but it's just vacation. Yeah, so. I always thought that too. I think it's probably just so they don't have to um, make the title so small, <laughs> fit it all in one line. This was a direct-to-video cheapo thing, um, <laughs> but it speaks to me. Like, this is why we're doing this. 
And we're probably going to go on a lot of Morgan and Chelsea tangents as we go through it, as we always do. And then fan mail at the end. Woohoo! Yes. So just a little bit about this movie. It was released March 11th, 1982. Um, Obviously, it was done by Warner Brothers Animation and Amblin Entertainment. Amblin was Steven Spielberg's company that, you know, did a lot of did a lot of stuff, E.T. He also did Animaniacs, um, and obviously this. What I thought was sort of interesting is that it has a lot of directors. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It has about seven directors, making me think that, you know, as we're going to talk about this, you're going to realize this is very, like, segmented. It focuses, you know, one storyline this way, one storyline goes that way, one storyline goes this way, and I think each one of these directors probably had a hand in doing each one of those characters and their subsequent plot lines. Yeah, there's probably about that many little plot lines going on in researching this. Originally, um, they were kind of deciding whether this should be in theaters or direct-to-video or, you know, debuting on television. And Steven Spielberg said, no, this will be a direct-to-video release. (laughs) (laughs) It's like he didn't want to to tarnish his reputation. (laughs) But he said his his uh, rationale was animated features are, are ideally suited for repeat viewing. Therefore, he's like, you must own this. Yeah, right. Which Chelsea did. <laughs> and I did repeat view this multiple times. While I was getting ready for it, I had my, I was babysitting my niece and nephew and two of their friends. And they're like three and five and three and five-ish. So both of them, all four of them were right. They're right in that age group. And, you know, the two friends of my niece and nephew, they had, they didn't care about it at all. They were just like leaving and going around and when's dinner, da, da, da. But then my niece and nephew were like glued to it. And I'm like, this must be genetic. (laughs) 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 Oh, it was really funny. (laughs) So give us, uh, I guess for those of you who don't know what Tiny Toons is, give us a rundown, Chelsea, of what Tiny Toons is. So Tiny Toons, they've, they basically took Looney Tunes and they took like kind of their, um, they weren't the young versions of these characters because, you know, they've done like Looney Tune babies and things like that, where it's like the actual characters, but as babies, these were totally separate characters, totally separate, you know, scenarios, but um, they're younger age groups. So more like an unknown era of like elementary to junior high ish, seemingly sometime somewhere in that age group. And Every once in a while, they'll have cameos from some of the normal uh, Looney Tune characters, but mostly it's based around the two main characters are Buster and Babs Bunny, and we also have Hampton the pig, and Plucky the duck, Shirley Laloon, and a whole bunch of other characters in here that just are really, really funny. And as you were talking about having so many directors, I really think the writing in this is probably something that, like, these guys just... They knew it was going to go direct to video and therefore they're like, we're just going to make this for ourselves. So, so much of the comedy of this is just off the wall. Just like it's the illusions of this and some of the references are definitely geared to a much older audience. Um, And it kind of date the film to that specific time of the 90s but it's it's hilarious like as I grew up watching it I didn't get all of these jokes but then as I went on and watched it subsequently years later I was like oh my gosh this is the funniest thing I've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) it just got funnier every time I watched it It was great (laughs) so I 
am not going to lie that this isn't my favorite movie, and I, <laughs> I've been very critical of it. But actually, it had, had some pretty good reception when it was actually released. Um, it was debuted to kind of a lukewarm, positive response. There were a few mixed uh, you know, reviews in there. But for the most part, people thought it was really funny, unexpected. Um, you know, film critic Leonard Martin, he gave it actually two and a half stars out of four. Oh, wow. That's a lot. That's like equivalent yeah. to our like three and a half. Right. <laughs> and he says, while the film is episodic, but he praised the voice cast for the songs and quote, funny business. Um, and I actually looked and this is one of, it's been rated top 20 direct to video animated films. You know, I, I'm not quite sure when this was was released, but so, I mean, people have high praise for this. And, you know, especially from that era, you sort of understand what's going on with this movie. And, of course, there were some people who didn't really like it. But this, I mean, was a hit it, yeah. when it first came out. It was one of the highest selling videos in 1992 in the U.S. Um, it ranked 12th on the Billboard charts nice. for video sales in 1992, April 1992. And then also... Um, it's like stayed on the top 40 video sales for 16 weeks and, and like just for months and months, it was like top five kids videos and so many things. So it was on the top kid video list for 41 weeks. Like, you know, it wasn't like today where every week there's 10 or so new thing, new animated, you know, cartoon shows or DVDs that are coming out. So like the market's really saturated, but I mean, Hey, goes to show people like this. At yeah. the time. <laughs> well, and this was also right at the height, I think, of the video consumption era, like VHS era. Mm -hmm. I remember I had a whole selection of VHSs. And so, I mean, they only started doing that in like the later 80s. And so this was like it, everyone was just getting used to buying these things They're like, sweet, awesome, new show, mine. So I think that was another reason why we had it most definitely. <laughs> So it starts out, this movie starts out as you enter in Luniversity, and it's definitely the same quality of animation that you would have seen as Saturday morning cartoon, uh, just extended to be really long. Yes, <laughs> I know. Like, after we've been watching some really great pieces of animation, and I see this opening scene, and it pans into the school classroom, and I just see the animation, and I'm like, ooh, shudder, like, oh. <laughs> I don't like, <laughs> you know, it's just funny. So, you know, we're in the school. All the Tiny Toons characters are there. They're looking at the clock. It's the very last day of school. And not even one minute into it, we break into a crappy song. I love the kids are talking about how excited they are for summer, how they can't wait for the clock to strike three so they can get out of there. You know, and everyone, everyone's been in this situation. The last day of school is a very unproductive day of school. I remember in elementary school, like we spent time with, you know, cans of shaving cream, trying to clean our desk. Like, I'm not quite sure how, how shaving That's cream right. oh cleans my your desk, but you put it on your desk and then you'd like, you know, draw things on it. And like suddenly your <laughs> desk was sanitized, but you know, things like that. And then you're, you know, picking up your papers and helping the teacher clean the room. And usually a party's involved, but not these kids. They're sitting around staring at the clock and, and their professor is Bugs Bunny. So we get to see sort of the, the real Looney Tunes gang do that <laughs> yeah for me i liked the songs because like they were just at my age at that time they were fun and as you listen to it some of the lines in here are just really clever really funny we start out and 
basically everybody's all right now we're done we're ready for summer like what is it next that we're gonna do what's what big exciting adventures are we gonna come up with next and you know honestly i think i've also been watching a little bit of the phineas and ferb stuff and like there i didn't realize it until like after i'd watched it obviously because i had never seen it um the whole premise is what are they gonna do for their summer vacation and everything is taking place within summer and this time and it's just such a huge thing like those first days after you have such high hopes and dreams of this summer is going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Plucky, he's, it was so great. He's just like walking down with Hampton and he's just like, Oh yeah, man, we're going to do this. And you know, if you ask really nice, I'm going to let you hang out with me and we're going to have a great time and just veg the whole 12 weeks away watching the boob tube. <laughs> Then it was just like the heartache of heartache where your best friend goes out of town for the summer. And it's like, no, my plans are ruined. (laughs) (laughs) And so Hampton says, I'm going out of town and I'm going to go to the happiest place in the world. Happy world land. (laughs) Happy world land. Happy world land. Where the fun doesn't stop at only 80 bucks a poppin'. So obviously some major hits at Disney here, which, you know, it's all in good fun. Yeah. I mean, Disney's so big at this point. It's like, we wish we were them. We're not. Exactly. We're just going <laughs> to poke some fun at them. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, then Lucky, he sort of like wrangles his way into this family vacation, <laughs> which like, so weird. it's very, very strange. And I kind of got a goofy movie vibe from Hampton's dad and specifically how the car was loaded up to the top almost that it was like a pyramid and you know just the family so excited to go on this big road trip um just really funny you know obviously goofy movie was a bit later but obviously there's something here people's families really are like that you know they (laughs) they stack everything on the top of their car you know sometimes they're really weird about which we'll talk about later like bathroom usage on trips and what you can and can't eat bringing along weird family members. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You also see a lot of funny things um, like little habits that people have like while in the car. Like honestly, when I, I bought a new car this summer um, because I moved across the country. And so I really related to them at this point in time because they were just like, Oh, look, honey, we're old besties about to hit 100,000 miles. They're like, Oh, we got to record this for posterity. And I thought I do that too. But most of my cars, it's at 200,000 miles. (laughs) Like, uh, whatever. It's really funny because he he then proceeds to bust out this huge video camera and he's driving. (laughs) But then he's also, you know, he's recording the dashboard as it's turning over to 100,000 miles. And I was thinking, I was like, okay, pulling out a giant video camera. That's weird. That's crazy. Like, this family is crazy. People don't do that. (laughs) But then I was like, wait. We have mini cameras with us all the time and people are always making videos in the car or it's texting. True. I'm like, there's no difference, you know, cause you know, <laughs> Hammy, Hampton's family, he's just, um, I mean, almost getting in accidents, not paying attention to the road. Cause they're all like glued into this big event that's happening in their family's life. Uh, AKA the car is going to hundred thousand miles, <laughs> but like, it's the same now. I mean, it's funny. We laugh, but I mean, we're really no different. I'm sure there's people and there's videos on Vine or on Instagram of people. Oh, awesome. My car's about to turn over. And like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I will link to somewhere in the notes where that will happen. It's a compilation of videos. <laughs> right. 
Lucky discovers very soon this isn't the trip that he bargained for. He was like, oh, sweet, I'm going to be a freeloader and get a free trip to Happy World Land. <laughs> but um, we'll discover later So what happens. So then, you know, we don't get to find out, you know, the resolution of this story. It's just the beginning for Plucky and Hampton. We switch over to brand new characters, brand new scene, almost like we went back in time a little bit, um, to Babs. Babs is the pink bunny, and she has her plan to sit out and lay in the sun all summer. She has her, she's wearing her bikini, which is scandalous, <laughs> and her very cool 90s sunglasses. Then Buster says, no, 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 that's not going to happen. I'm going to attack her with a water gun, and they get into this huge water gun fight and uh, go from there. <laughs> I always wanted her water pistol. Like, it looked very um, space age type. <laughs> but pink yeah and i was like i always wanted one of those it's like mom that's like right when the nerf guns not nerf those or nerf water soakers. guns yeah the super soakers right when those came out and so those were a huge deal around town you know it's like you go to pool parties and everybody's got their super soakers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so they sort of chase each other down to the river they end up somehow on uh, a raft and they're rafting down the river and then there's this weird, creepy possum who's just strumming the banjo. Like, again, very. there's a lot of similarities to a Goofy movie here. I mean, that <laughs> also has a very prominent scene that focuses on possums. You know, this is no different. <laughs> so speaking of Babs, her voice is done by Tress McNeil. She also did the voice of Dot from Animaniacs. And to me, as she's talking, and I'm kind of going back after my history of hearing her in different cartoons, like, it's very obvious to me that she is the voice of Dot. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so great when you hear that. And you don't realize how very prominent voice actors are, you know, just, at the time. Everywhere. In the 90s, this was sort of like middle beginnings of their career. And they've gone on to done so many. They've, they've gone on to do so many more things. But yeah, here they are just voicing Babs. No big deal. <laughs> right. So, you know, they're kind of creeped out by the creepy possum kid playing the banjo and they keep going down the river and we, that again, move to a new scene. <laughs> Elvira. Oh my goodness. She was a crazy girl. I hated like, her. <laughs> you know, I honestly, every time that she came on, it was some, I noticed myself like not paying attention anymore. Like I was like, eh, Elvira. Disengaged. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got this like, huge obsession with cats and little kittens and kitties and things and she wants to like make them her own pets and be very controlling yes <laughs> it's really one of those people that you just kind of fear <laughs> she's definitely the worst character in all of these then we move yet again to shirley laloon yes who i refer to as the valley girl duck she's very like oh my gosh like i can't believe it's it's very weird the the combination between the valley girl and also the I'm going to, you know, read your palm and all these different things. It's just like this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> so uh Dizzy, the Tasmanian devil, comes up and this is like your favorite line, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he comes up and he's like crying and Shirley's like, Why the bad vibes, Dizzy? And it's like, if summer Dizzy said, if Dizzy spin, Dizzy be naked. Like, oh, get in touch with your inner feelings, Diz. Spin for the true sheer of spinning. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. And he starts to spin around. And then obviously he's like, now no longer has no hair. 
Yeah. So he puts a box over him and then all, you know, they're on the boardwalk of the beach and a bunch of like cool kids are like, oh my gosh. Check out the dude in the box. Must be the new trend. New trend? How very. Put boxes on and then just start rollerblading, which again dates this film. No one rollerblades anymore. (laughs) You know, and it's a crying shame. People should rollerblade. Rollerblade is awesome. Okay. I remember when you and our other friend, she had these giant rollerblades with like they looked like off-roading wheels totally they were like off-roading i was like what are these things mini tires you know how most rollerblade wheels are just made out of plastic like these were actual tires on the rollerblades so if you wanted to roll right up like a mountain or a dirt hill like be my guest you would do (laughs) these things but they were like super heavy too yeah I thought yeah. they were great. She she had two pair, you know, one for her and one for her friends. Like, <laughs> oh, your parents are so awesome. Sweet, yeah. <laughs> Just random growing up memory right there. Um, so then we kind of go back to Plucky. We've been introduced mostly to all the characters. There's more characters who will come in later. But um, we're back to Plucky. I, would you say this is like the main storyline of Out of the Storylines? I would say so. Basically him and then Babs and yeah. Buster. Yeah, everyone else is kind of just like supporting weirdness. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like back at home, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. And then the random Elmira stuff, which is like, meh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're back in the car and we all know families like this. that They don't like to turn the AC on because <laughs> it costs money. And so we're going to, you know, survive it and very frugal and the mom she they turn off the ac and the mom pig she's like no no he says he's like yeah he's a ac costs gas i'll just crack the window and she's like don't you dare wade people might think we can't afford air conditioning (laughs) (laughs) it's like okay like you're very concerned about what other people strangers on the highway you'll never meet again (laughs) think about you Um, (laughs) it's really funny but i'm i'm on her side let's keep the ac on thank you yeah right you know, this whole time we thought there was just four people in the car. Turns out there's a fifth guy, this crazy uncle pig who's like, like literally a pig. Uh, I watch Big Brother, uh, and there's a girl, and she always says this. She always calls other people. She's like, "Oh my gosh, he is so disgusting." And yes, this pig is disgusting. <laughs> then again, he's a pig, so that's oh, what we should expect out of him. Uncle Stinky. <laughs> but you know, this family, like, this is the ultimate dork family but because they're that way they're one of those families that just gets each other and it just works you know what i mean yeah Uh, they have their jokes and and they laugh at each other and they think they're awesome and they don't realize that they're really weird um any outsider (laughs) would actually like plucky he's kind of a fish out of water he's completely clueless to this family doesn't get it they play this stupid game called spot the car and i just want to groan and i did when i saw them playing it it's (laughs) It's basically like, oh, you know, like a version of Slugbug. Slugbug, when you see like a VW Beetle, you're, you hit your friend or whatever. But this is a bit tamer than that. It's just called Spot the Car. So anytime you see a car drive by, you yell, Spot the Car, Spot the Car, or, right? There's a car. There's, There's a car. car. There's a car. There's a whoops truck. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I but would they, go insane. Yeah, but they all get each other. And But think about it. Did you ever go on a family road trip with somebody else's family or did you other bring somebody else on your guys's family trip? 
I mean, I've been on family trips with you guys, with your family, and then I've also been on family trips with like my cousins or even like just what other are you people that tells just, me my family's weird. It, totally, I'm saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you have like whether you are going on somebody else's trip or you are bringing somebody else on yours, you kind of have that feeling of like this is a group. You're bringing somebody else on that's like not quite fit in. Or, you know, maybe they totally do. Because sometimes, you know, I've gone on family trips, family road trips with like cousins where it's like sometimes I totally felt like I was in. But then sometimes I'd like I didn't because they just have this whole vibe that's like, how do I fit into this whole group? I don't I don't know. And you just spend the entire trip like, what do I do? (laughs) Okay, so then we go back to Babs and Buster and, you know, we're introduced to scary possum kid plucking the banjo and then they another jab at Disney with they go kind of under the water and then they're singing. How does it go? Beneath the ocean, beneath the ocean, we make big commotion beneath the ocean. Mm-hmm. Wrong cartoon. Obviously, a knockoff of <laughs> Under the Sea. <laughs> it was funny. At this point in time, we meet another Fifi Le Fume, I which love is. Her. I really liked her. She's just like, I would meet the skunk hunk of my dreams. This French skunk. <laughs> we really make fun of the French here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, her. Um, it's not um, Pepe Le Pew, who you think would be the big star, but it's actually a younger, cooler Johnny Pew. <laughs> of course, you have to put all the uh, Pews and Le Pew, whatever, stinky jokes. Right. You know, so she's trying to get this guy's autograph. That's all she wants in life. It's just an autograph. And so she's trying, she figures out what hotel he's staying at. So she pretends to be his agent. So they let her into the hotel because she's dressed like his agent. And then, then he sits her down on his couch next to this other lady who obviously is the real agent. They're dressed exactly the same except for the lady's actually, you know, bigger and whatever. He's like, both of you claim to be Johnny LaFue's agent, you know, and, and yeah. you like, you know, again, it really dates itself. I mean, I know Jay Leno's still around, but Jay Leno really was prominent in this time. And so Jay Leno's in the lobby and they're like, oh, Jay Leno, would you like me to check in your chin? And he has a giant chin, like, like basically on a dolly, pushing it around. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh, like if I were Leno, that stinks. <laughs> oh, it's funny, though. Like there is. Right here is where they actually go in and they're, this is where they like kind of poke jab at all of the different talk shows and different um, sitcom people, not sitcom, but just the talk shows of the era. And so everybody's staying in this one hotel, basically in this one giant suite, like this one, it's one floor of all these talk shows are taking place. When I ordered room service, I was hoping they'd send up another room. (laughs) Oprah. What kind of twee are you? Well, girlfriend, I'm a weeping willow. (laughs) Then right after that, so you have Arsenio Hall in there, and then they have Letterman in there. So watch with the hair. Hey, let's get busy! Oh my, we're having some fun now. At the very end of this movie, the credits are hilarious. So you just go through and obviously nobody reads the credits, but the person who made the credits was just having a time of their life because every couple line, they would just throw in their own little thing. And it's like, why did we put David Letterman in here? We're hoping if we brown nose enough, he'll mention us on his show. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> That's funny. Um, speaking of Johnny the Pooh, 
immediate or just Johnny Pew, I guess. Yeah. Immediately once he starts talking, I'm like, oh, it's Rob Paulson. Lissai. <laughs> <laughs> Which I I'm not ashamed to talk about how much I love Rob Paulson. He's just so awesome. But it's just cool to hear back. And it's like, oh, you had this minor role in this movie, and this is like he's always talking about like you take the gig that comes and you're excited and you do the best that you can. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> but do you know what? He has way more roles than just Johnny Pugh in this. Oh, you, yeah. Can you name some of the other roles he does? I cannot. All right. So you have Foulmouth, who is the one who's like, he's really wanting to take Shirley Laloon on a date. Come on, Shirley. It's that guy And so he, they go into the movies and like he's talking through the movies. Yeah, he's a little yes, chicken. Yes, okay. Lights that's Falmouth. And then right after Falmouth, another person who is Johnny Pugh, obviously. I will die for you. I know, but that won't be necessary. You can just carry my stuff. But then he is the banjo woodpile possum. Hot bang! I'm gonna get me some education. Ah. <laughs> and then he's also the Mr. Hitchhiker, who we will meet later as they meet up with Plucky. <laughs> Bacon. <laughs> Work jobs. <laughs> and he's also the voice of the manager of the zoo. We hope you are enjoying Wild Safari Zoo. Cool. And like, as I'm listening to him, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's it's Rob Paulson again. Oh, there he is again. There he is again. Like, he has like 50 roles in this thing. <laughs> I love Rob Paulson. He really is. If you have a chance, go check out his podcast, uh, Talking Tunes with Rob Paulson. Okay, so that's like we... the third time we've mentioned him. But I know. Yeah, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's just tradition. We used to mention him. See, the girls just can't that gum resist me. Then we go back to Plucky and gang. That's five waters to go. Are you sure you don't want anything else? Ugh. Cheapos. <laughs> uh, bothers me. But, you know, there's totally cheapo families like that where they don't buy anything. They just get water and they use your bathroom and that's okay. Is this where they sanitize the no, bathroom? No, that's later. Oh, Okay. Or, then we go back to Babs. Babs and Buster. It's a romantic tradition of the South. Beautiful homes, refined gentlemen, and delicate ladies. Yes? Strike my last stereotype. Well, skim me alive and call me luggage. <laughs> and then he's like, now which one of you Gatorettes haven't been married for a while? He's like, oh, me, Big Daddy. <laughs> I can't marry all three of them. That's big of me. No, that's big of me. At this point, as I'm watching this movie, I'm looking down to see where we're at, and I'm like, we're only halfway done? <laughs> oh, this is long. <laughs> <gasps> yeah. But, you know, and I, like I said, this is where Elmira comes in, and, like, I realize anytime that she's on screen, I kind of zone out. And I'm just like, you're really annoying and scary. But she's going through the wild animal park, and it's basically all big cats. And that's her her obsession, these big cats. And honestly, I was one of those kids. I was one of those little girls that just, I really, honestly, I, my dream growing up was to have a big cat wild park. <laughs> this was my dream, Morgan. Nice. I don't know if you realize this, but this is what I wanted to do. I wanted lions and tigers and ocelots and mountain lions and everything else you could come up with. And I just, that's really what I wanted. And so she comes in and she takes over this wild park and she like takes all the, the cubs and the babies and ties them to chairs and then pretends to be the teacher. And I'm thinking there are so kids like that. They're like, 
I'm going to be the teacher right now. And you're all going to sit down and listen to me play along. <laughs> like this is, this is one of those kids. At that point, we go back to Babs and Buster. And then we also have Happy World Land. Hey, wait for me. The monorail will take us to the park. Welcome to a land where the fun never stops. We have six thrill rides and 400 gift shops. The smiles are always rosy. The sky is always blue. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and they don't end up getting into Happy World Land, right? Right. No, they just take the monorail and just like go around the whole thing. They gotta save some for next time. But then again, they only have six thrill rides and 100 gift shops. So, yeah. <laughs> so great. But yeah, I would be so mad. Oh my gosh, you don't even get to go in. You wasted all summer driving there. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but they should have put Plucky standing up for himself. That way he could teach kids not to be a pushover. Because really, <laughs> he is just a pushover. They, all right, back in. Okay, I'd be like, um, I'll find but my own way back. Thanks. It's somebody else's trip, though. Like, you can't. Yeah. You can't just go in and like say, uh, no, this is what we're going to do. This is what <laughs> I do. Like, how rude is that? <laughs> Very rude. <laughs> but then we go back and all of these lines are going to come back together as we have Babs and Buster. They get on the good ship Delta Burke. Babs and Buster put on a show and they're like, hey, this is a great audience. Let's turn up the lights and see what, you know, if we meet, let's meet everybody. And then it's, you look around and it's everyone they've met throughout this whole thing and they all want to eat them. <laughs> so they're like, don't. <laughs> and then they end up getting on a, they end up getting on this like train track. And then they also end up meeting the, the scary hitchhiker guy and oh, they we go, didn't even talk about him. Hampton's family picks up this hitchhiker just because <laughs> we have an extra seat in our car. We're not cramped enough as it is. What a nice young man. <laughs> and then they're listening to the radio at the same time. And, you know, Lucky's the only one paying attention that he matches the description exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Orange high tops. <laughs> ah! Oh, there's so much sensationalism in the news these days. <laughs> So Babs and Buster, you don't know how it's all going to end. Like, everybody's chasing after him. Now what? And then they fall off the end of the railroad track, and they're just falling. And all of a sudden, you see a hole in the ground with a sign that says, plot hole. <laughs> and it's like, a plot hole? I was wondering how those two-bit writers were going to wrap things up. <laughs> and it's like, they just end up right back at Luniversity and it's the very first day of school once again. So it's like, no, we spent an entire mo two months floating down river and everybody's like wanting to get back to school. Like I miss school. <laughs> <laughs> and then very last but not least, Hampton's family goes back and Plucky's like, finally, I'm free. I'm free. And then they're like, oh no, Plucky. The no. slideshow. Yeah, slideshow. <laughs> basically a projector of all their stupid pictures in the bathroom, in the parking lot. And oh, it basically takes like all few days to watch this. Like we see the time progress. And by the time he finally is able to run out and escape, school starts. Yeah. Like his plot line was the most stressful for me because I was just so <laughs> sad for him. Like this was not enjoyable at all to watch him. Like Babs and all them, that was okay. But I was so frustrated with this annoying family i'm glad i don't know anybody like that and have never traveled <laughs> with anyone like that because 
That would not be cool. Oh, but I just, I really liked this one. So for me to summarize, it was a lot. Like, a lot happened in this movie. Going back after having talked about it, I, I could tell people basically what happened. But if someone having watched it once and then, like, immediately after you had to say, tell a friend what it was about, it's like, well, a lot happened. Yeah. There's too many characters. There's too many plots. There's too many subplots. It's just very, and, and, and like I said, very stressful. Very <laughs> stressful. Don't like that car trip. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've, like I've said, I've watched this so many times. I really just had to have it going on in the background just to laugh at all the random jokes and just the lines. <laughs> so what do you rate it, Morgan? Based on my viewing experience this time around and how, you know, just frustrated I was, how bored I was kind of in the middle, can't wait for it to get over. Um, I guess I was a bit removed from the story, uh, having not watched Tiny Toons in a while, but I would say one star. Yeah. Ask me 20 years ago when I was four, sure. <laughs> Might have been a little different, but honestly, and I, I hate to do this to you, Chelsea, but it has to be one of the worst movies I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I was struggling. <laughs> Okay. And I I'm, well, I'm very um, you know, a bit forthgiving with my reviews. I, I, I usually am a bit generous in in the rating that I give. Two and a half typically is like, ooh, that's bad. Like <laughs> Morgan didn't like it if she gives it a two and a half, but I gave this a one and I'm comfortable with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, you know, I know that it is what it is. And it is not in any way a masterpiece at all, but I laugh every time and I laugh thinking about it I laugh talking about it so like I just I give it two stars just because of that like I know I know that this is nothing this is a cheapo movie but it's something that makes me laugh every time so that's why I give it one more star than you I'm definitely not going to put it up into the two and a half star level because that like that adds a little bit more quality to the whole experience um, as far as like animation goes and da 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 but you know, just solid, this makes me laugh story. So that's what I give it. Nice. So if you liked our review of Tiny Toons and you want to let us know your thoughts on, and your mini review, go to the show notes and make a comment in the comment section below. Um, go to the rotoscopers.com slash 47. And that way we can see everyone's review of this movie and their thoughts on this movie. I get a feeling some of these 90s kids know about this movie and I want to hear their <laughs> opinions. So go leave a comment and we'll be engaged in the discussion as well. When September rolls around, you hear the school bell sound. Never mind, once we want you summertime again. We're tiny, we're toony, we're all a little loony. It's tiny to adventures and I am that champ. And now you are just damp. I just can't help myself. Well, guess what? Now we're going to head on into mailbag. <laughs> we love and getting emails and we love hearing your opinions and your thoughts. And so, yeah, we are going to read your mail right now. Our mail. Woohoo! Yay. We feel really cool when we get mail. I mean, who doesn't, right? Yes, exactly. I mean, anyone who gets mail in their mailbox, that's addressed to them. And it's not from a company or some sort of marketer. <laughs> feels great. It feels awesome. So our first letter is from Greg Slagle, and he's like, hello, Rotoscopers. My name is Greg Slagle, and I run www.studentanimations.com. I found your site a few days ago when your Twitter account followed me, 
And I've been eating up the site and the Animation Addicts podcast all weekend. I just wanted to say I am now a huge fan of the site and love your work. Best of luck, and I'll be listening to your podcast in the future, Greg. Thanks, Greg. Awesome. You know, his site's actually pretty cool because his site is a place to go so where you can see student films and student animation. So I, I went out to his site, and he basically, in his uh, About Us section, talks about how there wasn't a place to go and watch student films. So, yes, we can go and find all the theatrical films, you know, we want, but what are the other students doing? Uh, what caliber of work have they put out? And so this is a really, really awesome site. Like I, It is. Uh, uh, he does a lot of interviews with directors and uh, other students. And there's kind of a, uh, you know, if you're interested in certain schools, you can learn more about those. Uh, it's a great website. So it's called studentanimations.com. Definitely giving it a shout out, especially if you're an, a student of animation or an animator. You just want to, or do you just want to watch these student films? They're typically, you know, three to five minutes, very short, very fun, very they good They look really good too. Yeah. Like quality is like really impressive. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then they have, like, the site itself has a really cool layout, too. So that is a, yeah, that's a good shout-out right there. So our next email, it says, it's from our good friend Melissa. It says, okay, I have sent you guys enough emails that I no longer have to start with Dear Rotoscopers Podcast, but on with my original purpose for the email. I don't think Cars 3 is a good idea. I just don't. I have loved the Pixar lineup for, of original movies since I was old enough to focus. I like them even more now that I'm 14 because they are original movies. They wrapped up all the stories they tell in a way that leaves you happy, but not having it so you don't want to watch it again. But these sequels are just making me upset. I understand Toy Story sequels, but Cars? Why? I don't understand. The first one ended with, a, with everyone happy and lightning learning friends are better than fame, and the credits told the audience through the pictures that Radiator Springs is doing all right. Also, that the couple of minivans are stranded even though they are at the end of Cars 2. Also, yes, I stay for the end of Pixar credits. And Cars 2 was a little overkill for me. I was watching Cars 2 with my family, and for the first time in a Pixar movie, I was bored. I sat playing Tetris on my iPod. I have never not paid attention to a Pixar movie ever. Not even ones that I've seen enough times that I can say all the lines of the movie. The only things I liked about Cars 2 was the song Collision of Worlds during the credits the Pope Mobile, and the car versions of the royal family. And mm -hmm. I'm from a small town in Central America. Really? I didn't know that. Really? Huh. But Central America or in Central United States? Yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> Is she living in Guatemala? <laughs> I think she means like Middle America. Yeah. We'll so. find out. Now there's a Cars 3. Oh, she, maybe she doesn't know that our thing was... I don't, I don't think so. Now there's a Cars 3, and I have a feeling it's going in the same direction as Toy Story 3. Um, where the plot is going to make no sense of all. Also, Pixar movies play a great part in my life. I made it a goal to own every single Pixar animated film they come out with, and so far I have succeeded. The only one I don't have is Planes, from the world of Cars Above, which isn't Pixar, by the way, so you're very successful in your goal. <laughs> but I think that's counted with Beauty and the Beast, Enchanted Christmas, Little Mermaid 2 and 3, Lion King 2, and Lion King 1 and a half, and so forth and so on. They are making it hard to want to keep that goal because they keep making these unneeded sequels. I can't understand that kids want more of these characters, but these films started off as being made so people could enjoy them, whether they're six or 600. And if they keep doing these continuations that are not always so great enough to their legacy, they will no longer be looked up as this great production studio. I don't think I'm alone on this. The other sequels that should have been done other than Toy Story 
is Incredibles because of how it ended. They didn't need to do Cars 2 or Monsters University, and they most certainly don't need to make a Cars 3 or Finding Nemo 2. Just think about how many amazing Pixar movies we would have gotten if they didn't do those. Another reason Pixar is such a big part of my life is that I am named after it. To explain, I have been a Girl Scout for close to nine years now, and I became a program assistant for the summer camps. The day when I finished my training course was the day that Brave came out in theaters. For these camps, you choose a camp name, and I picked the name of Pixar since I had such a strong passion for it. And every year we make swaps and PAs make ones matching their names. Like a girl, Lupin had brown foam rectangles wrapped in tin foil to look like chocolate bars. Fox had red origami birds. Simba had pictures of Simba the lion. And Katniss had a bow and arrows. So I would make ones that were little bottle caps with stickers of characters from different movies each time I did them. And all I could find were cars and toy stories. So you can imagine my frustration when I want to do ones like Monsters, Inc., the Incredibles, A Bug's Life, Wally, Up, Finding Nemo, but they never had them. I don't want Pixar to become known just as the creators of cars, like Warner Brothers became for the people of Harry Potter. I'm sorry that I spent this long email ranting about Pixar, but I feel like you girls and guy understand what I'm saying better than most people. You people are doing something that I wish I could do. Be on a podcast. And you're also so good at it, so keep doing what you're doing. To quote a Tony Award-winning musical, I think, starring a member of the Frozen cast, You'll be with me like a handprint on my heart. Because I knew you, I have been changed for good. Aw, wicked. <laughs> sorry, if I, sorry if I made the quote make no sense. It's 12 a.m. and a rant. Love the listener who is your forever fan. Faithfully, Melissa Kumro. P.S. Thanks for following me on Twitter. <laughs> Yay, Melissa! Yay. So, um, I really don't think that she realized our um, April Fool's joke. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> haven't. Um, I guess we didn't make it so clear. There is no Cars 3. Thank goodness. <laughs> that was actually our April Fool's joke this year. We we did a post saying that Cars 3 has been confirmed. Owen Wilson isn't going to be back to play Owen to play Lightning McQueen. Someone else is going to be doing his voice. Just it's hilarious. And <laughs> a lot of people get that it's a April Fool's joke because if you click on the bottom, it's obviously, you know, it says April Fool's. Just kidding. But some people don't. And if you go to that post, we'll link to it in the show notes. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. still one of our top viewed articles on the site, which yeah, is hilarious. If you, if you Google Cars 3, we're the number two article that comes up. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. Like, that's that's there's a lot of competition for Cars 3, and we're there. Yeah. So it's just pretty funny. But um, thanks for the email, Melissa. I, I loved it. I liked hearing your rants because that's what we're all about. We want people with opinions about animated films to talk about them. But lucky for you, you don't have to worry. Cars 3 is not coming to pass because we just went to the D23 Expo and that was not anywhere on our radar. Hallelujah. So our next email comes from Keenan from Australia. We've also heard her on a voicemail a couple times ago and she ends up sending us a question and she's like, I have a couple questions for you. Uh, what are your top three animated films? Mine are Secret of Nim slash Land Before Time. Can't pick one. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. The Incredibles. And then my bottom three least favorite movies are all the open season films. They are <laughs> awful. A Troll in Central Park, The Swan Princess Christmas Movie. I mean, Ooh. have you actually seen that? Wow, someone's seen it? Awesome. <laughs> like, I actually just want to see it just so I can, like, totally stare, like, jaw dropped how bad it looks. Oh, and then the top. Her top three animation studios are Disney, Leica, and Don Blue Studios. So first, let's go with you, Morgan. What are your top three animated? 
Okay, well, my favorite animated film of all time is Aladdin. Um, I think a close... I, I, I don't have an order for them, but I would say Aladdin, The Iron Giant, and Ratatouille, and The Incredibles falls in there somewhere. Uh, three is kind of hard to say, but those definitely are my top. You? Top one is definitely Beauty and the Beast, then Sleeping Beauty, and then Little Mermaid. Nice. Those are my top. What about your least favorite? <laughs> <laughs> Um, things that didn't quite make the run. Um, things that make you go. <laughs> I'm her list is pretty up there. Like it's just like gag me with a spoon. Some of those. Um, oh, but then I would also definitely add the Thief and the Cobbler Miramax edition. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. and I don't uh, know if I have a top three of the bottom. Yeah, I don't really have. Either, I mean, I but... know that. Cinderella 2 and Hunchback 2 are in there somewhere. Um, yeah. Some movie, uh, probably yeah. a lot of movies I haven't seen for that reason. Hoodwinked 2, I've heard, is pretty bad. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I can't There's so say. many that, so like, I can't, yeah, you just can't even get through. So, like, why do you start them? Yeah. <laughs> so, I guess the ones that I'm like, of the ones of the podcast that we've done, definitely Max version of that one was, like, so hard to get through. Oh. But, you know. I mean, I don't really have a bottom, I so, guess. What's your top three favorite studios? Um, let's see. You know, Disney first. I would say Dumb Bluth is second. And then, um, I kind of, I, I really like what Rankin Bass puts out sometimes. Nice. They have, a, I mean, I, I, you could throw out DreamWorks. You could throw out all these other things. And they, they do have a lot of really cool films. But I, I think as far as like of kind of a style, uh-huh. I I think I like what Rankin Bass has put out over the you know over the this last twenty years or so. Oh well, then are you in for a treat, Chelsea? Because our new writer Eric, he's doing a series called Forgotten Gems in Animation, and the very yeah. first Forgotten Gem in Animation that he did is a Rankin Bass made for TV movie called The Flight of Dragons. Oh. <laughs> and I'll include the, the link to it in the show notes, but you can, um, it's going to be published today. So by the time this episode comes out, this will be out, but you can read it and find it. And yeah, I, you might, this might be right up your alley since you're such a big Rankin Bass super fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's total super fan. <laughs> so for me, definitely picks, uh, no, no, no. Like I'm, I'm Disney through and through. That's still my favorite studio. If I had to visit either of the studios, I would visit Walt Disney Animation Studios, hands oh, down. Yeah. I know Pixar's incredible. That's why they're my number two. And, you know, I'm still, I, we are such Don Bluth lovers. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't even put DreamWorks. I mean, I just really like Don Bluth's aesthetic and movies. So he's probably my number three. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, not to say that I don't, that I forgot about Pixar, but I kind of throw that in with Disney. Yeah. Like, since now they're kind of, they're under the same, they're all under John Lasseter. So I, I don't really separate them as much, like in my own head. So I don't know. But that's just where I am. I mean, I'm probably going to get hate mail now, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm going to read our last email. It's from Megan. Hello, Rotoscopers. I'm going to graduate school right now. And the school I go to is about an hour walk from where I live. So I listen to a lot of podcasts while walking to and from class. And I have to say yours, which I discovered about a month ago, was one of my favorites. I enjoy listening to your observations and jokes about time vortices and Batman. But the main thing I really appreciate about your is your collective positive attitudes. 
a lot of review shows and review podcasts are built entirely on more nasty type negativity. And as funny as negative review shows can be, they usually are pretty funny. It's nice to listen to one in which even the more negative reviews, like the one you did of Rocket Doodle, are <laughs> spirited. <laughs> it's also nice to know that there are other adults out there who geek out about animation. The only one of my friends now who will re- readily admit not just liking animated movies, but is willing to go to a theater without the excuse of taking kids is my sister. We're kind of living on two opposite sides of the globe right now. So it's nice to listen to you guys and go, oh my gosh, these people exist. (laughs) My love of animation came early on and was really fueled into high gear when I got to take one of the intro to animation classes as part of my minor back at BYU. Just in case Mason is wondering, it was the intro to 2D with Kelly. That class was one of the most difficult time-consuming, and most rewarding classes of that whole semester, and I've been trying to improve and draw animation on my own ever since. Though, at the moment, graduate school is... Though, at the moment, graduate school is putting a damper on that because, you know, graduate school. I also wanted to give... I also wanted to comment on a couple of your episodes. First off, in your review of Howl's Moving Castle, you mentioned how it's never explained what happens to Sophie's curse. I think that the curse is resolved, but the film doesn't go in, do a great job explaining it. Well, okay, it does no job at explaining it. And it's not because it doesn't include an explanation from the book, because I think the curse is operating differently than it does in the book. In the book, the witch's curse just turns Sophie into an old woman. In the movie, the witch never says what the curse does. So I wonder if the curse was actually to make physical the way in which Sophie thought about herself. In the beginning of the movie, she thinks of herself as timid, ugly, and dowdy. So she turns into an old woman. By the end of the movie, Sophie has learned how to value herself, and that physically manifests itself by her turning young again. The curse was never lifted. Sophie just managed to own it. At least, I think that's what's supposed to be happening. Sometimes with Miyazaki, you just can't tell. Yeah, true. (laughs) Also, I was interested by your discussion on the Oscar shorts from, was it last year? I appreciate Mason's opinion, and I know it's easy to say because this won, but my personal favorite of the Oscar shorts from 2012 was the fantastic books of Flying Lessmore. I liked La Luna, and I thought it had a great story and wonderful visuals, but I write. I love writing. I love storytelling. I love words, and the fantastic Flying Books of Morris Lessmore is the visual articulation of how my love of those things work. It's the film I would show to someone and point out and say, see, see, this is why I love books. Do you understand? And then, of course, they'd probably look at me like I'm one plum short of a pudding. But hey, what can you do? One last thing. I'm actually going to graduate school in Scotland right now. When I got here, Brave was everywhere. It was in gift shops and museums and supermarkets, and it was the top of the box office for ages. Okay, so I lied about that being the last thing. Were you guys ever reviewing Ralph Bakshi's take on Lord of the Rings? I don't mean just to trash on it, but genuinely pick apart what worked as a whole and what didn't. Not just as an adaptation, but as a movie in its own right. There are probably plenty to talk about. I won't request that you re- review Rankin Bass Return of the King because although it may be one of the best bad movie nights of all time, <laughs> I don't see how anyone can get through that in one sitting without dying in a fit of hysterical laughter. And we certainly wouldn't want that. On a less horrible note, would you ever consider reviewing Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? I know that it's been around 70 years now and almost reviewed to death, but I'm interested in hearing on what you three have to say about it. Anyway, keep up the great work. Good luck, and I hope to see that Frozen trailer sometime in the future. Thanks, Megan from Edinburgh. Yay! Thank you, Megan. I loved hearing your stories. And wow, an hour walk. More power to you, because that's 
I mean, you're probably in awesome shape walking an hour to and from school every day and right. listening to awesome podcasts while you're at it. Um, regarding the um, movies that you requested, The Lord of the Rings and, and kind of Return of the King <laughs> and then Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, we will add it to our list. With the Disney movies, like we've mentioned before, we we try to like space those out so we're not so like, yay, Disney, yay, Pixar. We want to give the lesser known studios and maybe the crappier movies such as Today's wonderful feature, <laughs> the spotlight, I guess, to kind of mix it up. But we also have a new um, request page. So if anyone has movie requests, we have a poll that you can take, and it goes, and we can then filter and sort to see which are the top most requested, which are the least, and then go from there. Obviously, we won't be able to get to everything on the list you know, this year, but we will eventually. Our plan is to get to every animated movie of all time, right? So we'll get to it eventually. <laughs> Um, so that is, you can go to the rotoscopers.com slash movie request, and then you can fill out your request there. Morgan Chelsea episode talking about one of the greatest animated films of all time. <laughs> yes. Thanks. Thanks for indulging me. Heavy, Morgan. heavy sarcasm. But yeah, it was actually fun. I mean, no, that's the thing with us. Like, no matter what movie it is, we can just have a good time. We can talk about it. We can, you know, and, and like, like that um, email from Megan said, like, we're not going to bash just to bash. Like, we're going to talk about, you know, the, it's good things because like every person in the world, there's something good about everyone. And it's better to talk about those good things than to constantly be that, like, mean person bringing others down. Like, no wonder you don't have any friends, right? Because you talk <laughs> mean about everybody. So, um, yeah, that's, I guess that's my little analogy to our podcast, supposedly. <laughs> Thanks for the moral of the story, Morgan. Yes, that was the moral of Tiny Toons, how I spent my vacation. <laughs> So, of course, you can find us on the web, therotoscopers.com. That's where you can find the podcast, all of our news articles by our awesome writers, all of these cool opinion pieces, and, of course, the community. This is where you can talk with other fans. You can make comments and have a discussion back and forth. Very, very cool stuff there. You can also find us on Twitter. We've changed our Twitter handle. It's just Rotoscopers now. So um, if you go to the Rotoscopers on Twitter, it will give you a, just a blank page that says, hey, we've moved, and you can find it. But just rotoscopers we're also on twitter facebook tumblr um, all those links are on the website the rotoscopers.com so that's kind of your easy place to go and of course youtube find us on youtube as the rotoscopers very fun we do a lot more movies um there's there's little uh, musings that perhaps mason may be doing some in the near future so we'll i know see. we keep saying that we keep but... saying that but I, I really do believe that he's coming around. <laughs> he is. No, no. He sent us a list of things he wanted to do, which is really cool. So I really think once he gets over that first video, he's going to be hooked and he'll yeah. be doing all sorts of videos from the future. So very fun. So, I mean, we have a little bit of everything for everyone when it comes to animation, whether it's audio, video, news, friends. We got it all. So oh, yeah. I'm Morgan Stradling. You can find me on Twitter at Morgan Stradling. And I'm Chelsea Robson. You can find me on Twitter at Chelsea Robson or chelseyrobson.com, big in my Facebook. You can also find Mason, 
Mason's at thisanimatedlife.blogspot.com, but you can find him on Twitter. That's Mason SMTX, like San Marcos, Texas, on Twitter. So also the show notes for this episode are located at the rotoscopers.com slash 47. That's where you can go to read, you know, we say, oh, the link's here, the link's there. Just go there. You can find all of those links. And then also leave your comments on what you thought about this movie. And you can talk with other people and have a good time. So very, very fun stuff. This is a fun episode, Chelsea. I know. Yay. So until the next obscure Morgan and Chelsea episode, we we are are the Rotoscopers. Sorry, we are delayed right now. Try talking to me. It, I said it might be my internet connection because I'm kind of pirating it right now. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. He <laughs> uh, just broke out when you were saying that. That was funny. But Giants really, it to me, was it Giants? No, it's not Giants that I'm thinking of. Moana? It's, it's Moana. Yeah, dang it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait. Okay, okay, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. I gotta go to work soon.